Good morning, community, and welcome to What I Heard on Sunday. And we're coming off a two-part series with John Dixon, and we had a good time with him this week, and he'll be back next week to talk about and what he's doing in the series and how to lose and gain the world. And this was a, a great thing for me and my host, I don't think needs an introduction particularly here, but we have Troy in the studio talking. Uh, he's good friends with John. And so I wanted to ask yeah. you to start off with like, how did that, how did that friendship begin? Oh gosh, it was so random. The actually not random, pretty intentional actually. So let me recant that. I, uh, when I was chaplain for the Packers, I had heard John do a talk at the Global Leadership Summit, and it was on Humilitas. It's a book he wrote with other professors to study the word humility. When did it move from an insult to the greatest uh, affirmation in a person's life, like the greatest attribute? And it was secular historians with him, and they discovered it was at the crucifixion. And so he did that, and I said, I always tried to get speakers for the Packers, good ones to come in and I would leverage that to get him here on Sunday. Okay, yeah. So I emailed him, Hey, I'm chaplain for the green Bay Packers pastor of green Bay community church. Would you come? Well, he goes to his son, Josh, who happens to be playing American football in a league there in Australia. There's only like 10 teams. And he goes, Josh, who are the green Bay Packers and what is this? And he reads it and Josh's like, dad, <laughs> dad, you have to go and you have to take me. So that's how we got him. And he just fell in love with Green Bay. He fell in love with the team. And so he did multiple chapels. But that's how we got him. That's great. And it was great to have him here. It's the second time I've heard him um, yeah. since I've been here. So, And each time, uh, he's he's kind of right up my alley, so I love listening to him. Yeah. But the question that we posed to start, I loved. And it was, what uh, a conversation that you could do over again. We probably, both of us, uh, have many of those. But did anything come to mind when oh, you had gosh, that one? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, so many of them, you think, like, really? I just said that. I yeah. mean especially with people that you care about or are influencers and you just, you find yourself just saying dumb things. But, um, in one of my son-in-laws, I remember early on, uh, it was late night and it gone into a conversation, uh, about, um, homosexuality, okay. in the LGBTQ sure. area. And, you know, I grew up pretty black and white. And so I took the bait and started to talk about why it was a sin, what was wrong with it. And uh, one of my, my son-in-laws, most of them are pretty good. They're good at arguing and they're good at debating. Um, and I want to say it probably in a positive way. They're good at debating. And uh, especially in the area of philosophy. And so I could tell the conversation was going to like this. And I think, what am I doing? And I was just digging the hole deeper and deeper and the tension was going up. And I did walk away from there, and I, I, I think ways later, years later, I said to him, you know, I never want to do that again. That's not one, the kind of relationship what I want with you. So I wanted to do that over for sure. Yeah, I think for me it was something I actually had written. Um, in, when I worked in the law enforcement world, I was a union president, so you had to kind of stand in the, the, the divide between you know, your rank and file and, yeah. your, and your boss. <laughs> and we were going through some turmoil. We had, a, we had a particular boss that was having some issues, but I wrote a grievance and I, mean, I should have waited a day or two, but I wrote the grievance. I sent it in and it ended up getting submitted. Well, wow. at the end of my, um, as I retired, they read that back to me as kind of a tribute. And as I heard the words back, you know, several years later, I thought to myself, like, that is not the reflection of who I mm. want to be. And that's how they were remembering yeah, me. Yeah. And so I got up that day and, and I said to him, I'm like, hey, look, like, I appreciate the, the honor, but 
I don't want this to be the reminding yeah. reflection of who I yeah. was. I'm like, man, I wish I could have done that over and, and said and been nicer and kinder in the way that I presented myself. But that, that one, you know, cause that happened yeah. right before I retired. I it was, was a like, good question. It's a really good question. It's a super good question. And I, and I know that we gave a lot of time for that because you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things, but, um, the way that we prefaced it, you know, set it up is because the Peter text that he uses, yeah. it's kind of that apologetics term where be ready to give a defense for anything in the question. And he set the story up with the waitress coming to him and him not having kind of that response yeah. back. And I think that's happened to all of us. But the way he talked about it was in response to culture or fire or, you know, any kind of trials or tribulations, yeah. how do you respond as Christians? And he gave three examples of that, you know, withdraw, attack, and then slandering each other. Yeah. Um, let's talk about those. Like, how do we withdraw in culture? How, what, why do we do that? What do you see? Um, yeah, and I, I think that's why I said when I came up for a close, I just said maybe the question should be not, did you want a do-over because of what you said, a do-over because you said nothing. Yes. So I actually think those are the two areas that, you know, for sure. And, and, and I can recall times I wish I would have said something. Rarely more in my life because I actually enjoy diving in, but I think it's largely because of fear. And I think because we're a culture that, uh, knowledge is so much power. And if I know the right answers, uh, I, I look better. I feel more influential. I feel more powerful. And I think for Christians, it's like, well, I got the Bible verse and this is a sin. Sure. Yeah. And I think the problem with that studies will show, there's a lot of research on this, that you're actually, the moment you attack someone's tribe, no matter if it's an immoral situation or voting, you somehow question their tribe and threaten their tribe. Neurologically, it switches where they can no longer listen to logic. It's all emotional and it's protection. Sure. And I think Christians get into that, but not saying anything, I think, is because of a fear of some sort of retribution. I think now we're seeing it a lot in culture, and it doesn't matter if you're Christian or on the secular side. If you say something that goes against something that's status quo, oh, yeah. there is that canceling that happens yeah. or that. And so I think people withdraw because they're like, I, I just yeah, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to face the potential loss of a job. I don't want to face the potential loss of income. You know, I've got a family to support. If I say the wrong thing or engage in the wrong thing, yeah. this may cost me. And like he said, the New Testament doesn't support that. Well, and I, I loved his thing on St. Francis of Assisi yep. and the abuse of that phrase, yes. you know, Sometimes use words, but if, you know, it, and I just laughed, I thought, wow, because Paul will talk often about opening up our mouths and speaking the mystery mm -hmm. of Christ. He yep. says it in Colossians, he says it in Romans, he says it all throughout his, I mean, that's his whole ministry. He marches into a town, I mean, in Ephesus. Athens. Athens and are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? You say, Do you have the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's going after it. Sure. Not in judgment, but out of really just saying the words about what he loves and what he's passionate about. Yeah, 100%. I think um, because we have so much media platform, we have social media and Christians get yeah. on a variety of different platforms and speak their mind, I think I get in the habit of going, man, we should sometimes talk less. And I don't mean stop talking. Mm -hmm. I just mean like sometimes we need to check ourselves before we actually yeah. deliver that message. And I'm I'm about to, like, you can't just speak. You have to, you have to actually go out and do things. Like, yeah, and I think too, Zach, don't you think like, at some point, when we're younger, we want to be right. Yes, 100%. And there's something about our identity that we're trying to look like we have the, the right answers. I think as I'm getting older, I'm shifting from like a king to a sage archetype, and I'm kind of going into this yep. 
how do I get them to say more and to say what I'd like them to say? And so it's not manipulation. It's more curiosity. And I'll like, ah, tell me how you got there. You voted for who? Wow. Tell me more about that. Tell me why. And just keep drawing them out. And yeah. eventually they're going to go, boy, they're, they're curious and they're going to ask me, what do you think? Boom. Yep. And then you, then you actually have a conversation yeah. and a dialogue yeah. as opposed to just shutting them down with a response. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. And then he talked about, you know, attacking, going on the offense. Um, and I kind of blended going on the offense and slandering each other is kind of one and the same at times. Because, I mean, my, my story is I came from an area of the country that had a very um, prominent church that did a lot mm -hmm. of attacking the culture, going mm -hmm. on the offense. And then mm -hmm. I, I heard a ton of, and it shows up on social media from kind of this pocket of, of Christianity where it's like, you're not Christian if you're this. You're not doing the right things if yeah. you're this. And that kind of dialogue, I have no interest in at this point. Like, yeah. it just almost turns me off. Yeah, there's two, there's two things I've been looking at in my doctorate program, but one's called bounded set thinking, and it's mm -hmm. most churches uh, often create a boundary. I'm saying if you don't believe and operate this way, you're out. Yes. Where Jesus never does that. He's a value set. It's about um, grace and faith. Right. And if you agree on that, no matter your conviction or your morality, uh, and so there's argument about should should we look different if we've received that, that grace uh, and that sacrifice of Christ? Yes, but that's a different way to think. The other one is uh, choosing to be what I'd call asset-based versus, I would say, critical of what's wrong. And right. so we're, we're doing it in city work where, like, what's wrong with everything in the city? Well, why don't we just flip it? What's right? So then it allows me to look across the aisle and say, like, an AG church, Ryan Kibbe's church is here, Elevation. Yep. They're very different um, in a lot of the convictions or expressions of their theology, in the Holy Spirit and how they would practice. But we agree on Jesus, right? I can tell you what's right about them, and what I even with the charismatic kind of culture, I'd say, gosh, I want a little bit more of that. I can find goodness now in the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church when I was in Israel again this year. I just felt overwhelmed, but I'm so glad that they brought in artisans. Yes. They recovered yep. art. Yep. And I don't think I really clicked for me, but if you look at from architecture to the paintings to the mosaics, it's all over the world. And that's like, for me as a creative, I'm like, wow, I didn't connect with that. So it's finding good. And for me too, like I, you know, if you've been around me more than five minutes, you'd know that I intake a lot of knowledge <laughs> and I like, a lot, but few have impacted the way I think based on reading than Dallas Willard. And I will attribute yeah, him to yeah, a lot of the yeah, way that yeah. I, I view and my change of thinking in a lot of this. And in the divine conspiracy, and, and we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. He goes mm -hmm. through the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah. And one of the cool pieces before the Matthew 5, which John talks about, he talks about all the people that are there. Yeah. He talks about you know people from the Decapolis, people that a Jew would think is on the outside looking in. And Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount is like, blessed are these people too. Like, yeah. Look around you, expand your line of thinking, and then he's like, you know, and when you get to persecution, you're blessed too, because so are these people. They've received yeah. persecution their entire lives. And so when you think of it that way, it's like, yeah, that bound and set thinking, no, expand your thought process. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's about looking outside, not attacking, but being able to answer and love those. And you've heard me say too, and I'll say it again, and this is great for the listeners, I see Sunday morning as a Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Not me as Jesus, but more of, the diversity of why people are actually where they're at spiritually and why they're in the room is so diverse. 
And that's energizing to me. That's what makes Sunday morning energizing because they have someone who's not in faith or yes. on the fringe of their faith. So therefore, even on Sunday morning, I have to apply the first Peter to be gentle with respect, not slandering, not attacking, and not being quiet. And so I think the principle, even for a pulpit, is the same. So I think the question for us as pastors, too, is so he talked about First Peter, and he broke it up. And so 8 and 9, he talked about living well. You know, to sum it all up, be harmonious, sympathetic, and not return mm-hmm. evil for evil. How do we teach people, and how do we ourselves live well in, yeah. in our current cultural setting? You know, when, when Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight, it's something uh, I made a, a cool graphic once, and it's this just hulk-like face sure. just gritting and i think we've always because of some of our backdrop in our world history in our country's history it's like this crusaders let's let's go fight the evil right god's never asking us of that i think fight the good fight is my own internal fight and that fight is for me to live well in a secular world and and to it says it throughout the Gospels, but it says it also throughout um, the letters. Do such good works that people have to go, what? I mm-hmm. mean, it's the end of that text. But it's, I mean, you go to the Old Testament. I mean, again, Jeremiah 29, which I've overused, but what does he say? He doesn't tell them save Nebuchadnezzar or Babylon. He just says, live good lives. Yep. I'm paraphrasing. Live good lives in yes. such a way that and pray for the prosperity, and I think we have to do that in the cultures we're in. Yeah, wherever you're planted. Yes. And Daniel's a perfect example yeah. of that. And we want out. I think part of the problem is, oh, this is not Christian, and my people at work are not Christian, and they're they're not moral. Yeah. Good. They're not. <laughs> this is part of it. Yeah. And you've been placed there. And I think we, in our brains, want to create these like monasteries where everybody's right. And it's probably what's killing our parenting structures, even in just in our culture. Yeah, I'd agree. Teach our kids how to live well in a secular world. hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Yep. The most fascinating thing, like he was great throughout, but the thing that I found just the most fascinating was the poll that he did from, or the survey from people from yes. Australia. That was the wow. most fascinating thing. And so he's that got drop off. Yeah. He's well, I not so much the drop off, which I know is happening, but where he talks about how people perceive Christians. Oh yes, the perceptions yes, that was a good of, one. of Christians, and so it's broken down. And he has the ten perceptions, and the top five yeah, are positive, yeah, yeah, and the top five are negative, coming from the same people. Yeah, I find that amazing. Yeah, how do you? I mean, how do you kind of view that? You know, it's interesting, and I read that, and that's not surprising to me. I actually think there's there's that kind of what I'd call compartmentalizing in almost every sector. Because if we were to ask that of doctors, now this is my theory, this is not research, this is just my guess. I bet you would say um, rude, like if you- Bedside manner. Oh yeah, yeah, bedside (laughs) manner. You probably go through all the the negatives, but then you probably say, oh man, lifesaver and all these things that they do. Sure. I think because faith and spirituality might be the biggest- um, it's the greatest issue in our world today. We could talk about money, we could talk about sure. health, we could talk about education, but when you talk about spirituality, when you talk about religion, it is like a separator. And it, it actually brings me right back to Scripture, Paul again. It's it's dividing. Yep. It, it, it divides, it does. You're going to have people who aren't and people who are. Without making that happen, it's going to happen. Yep, and it's... 
how you view your theology, regardless of what that is, and how you view your spirituality is a, is the most defining factor yeah. of how you operate, whether you believe in God or not. Tozer. It's yeah, it's how you. It's the most defining factor of your yeah. life, and so it's very divisive. But it's funny that you mentioned the doctor thing because I think about it from you know being a local law enforcement officer. Oh my gosh, totally! In that world, I I didn't, I didn't until you said it. And I'm like, just how many people would be like, you know, I, I don't necessarily like cops, but I like you, yeah, because I was there, you know, I was. It doesn't discredit the study. I actually think the study is brilliant, and it should wake us up to go, wow, we're carrying a lot of baggage from a lot of bad decisions. I mean, John's own metaphor about playing Bach cello suites, yes, and he plays it. And it's terrible. And he goes, would you judge the music based on how I played it? Yeah. And I think that's just a brilliant metaphor. A lot of the church is carrying the weight of how many people have played the the gospel very poorly in their life. Sure. And I think that question came out of the audience, which is really yeah, good. Yeah, the Q&A I, was fantastic. And I loved how he said, we have to own. I wasn't around when our country started slavery. I, I never had slaves. Yet, I have to own as a white American, the damage that was done under the name of God and say, gosh, I'm so sorry. Yep. And I think we don't do that at Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we've done that in the past, and we're just not good at that. Yeah, 100%. So one question that came out of the Q&A, and I kind of want to get your feeling on this, that almost we're getting running close to time. I knew we'd push it, but um, he asked, how do we interact with each other? Like brothers and sisters, you know, Christians, how do we interact with each other? And I'm not phrasing the question 100% correct, but like, how do I call somebody out or how do I address yeah. something with somebody yeah. without coming off as slandering, without coming off as abrasive? So that's interesting because the whole reason he's doing this text is because I heard him in Australia when I was there for a couple of weeks with him in my study break one year. He did the log inspect text. Okay. Yeah. Matthew 7. And it was brilliant. And one of the things he said, don't mistake that we can't. It doesn't mean we're not critical of someone's behavior. It just right. means here's a process to go through before you actually step into that space. So I'll use some Old Testament. You as a Hebrew guy, you'll dig this. I believe when there was the 637, whatever, 30-something yep. laws, 638. Yep. if you and I were Israelites back then roaming through the desert, and all of a sudden I saw you on Sabbath take two steps too much, I might go, hey, Zach you might want to go offer a sacrifice because you've just broken Mm -hmm. one of the laws. I think the impression back then would have been, oh, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Because there was such an importance about being in right standing with God. Keeping the law, yep. Today, I think the way we do it typically is finger pointing to elevate ourselves. You shouldn't do this. And I always say shooting all over everybody else. Yep. Or, or should it be more of us in love saying, wow, I, the way I'm, the metaphor would be is like when someone's in sin, they're eating from a refuse pile and there's a banquet table right next to them. Right. And I said, it's the invitation of, oh man, this, the way God has put a table for yes. you to live your life is so much better. This is going to kill you. This will not help you at all. 100%, yeah. And I just don't think we go at it that way. I think we're so concerned about looking better and... I think what I what I see a lot of is in the culture is like you said the I'm going to use my whatever platform I have to call somebody out a yeah. famous pastor or whatnot just to elevate myself and look myself better. That's completely different than if you come to me as somebody who's in relationship with me as my pastor yeah. and says, "Hey, you may want to look at this differently. Hey, you the way you're acting or the way you're behaving is not that's yeah. different because we're in relationship together." And so for for me, I think I, my response would be like. 
you know, think relationally first. Yes, you want to yeah. address it, but think about your relationship with them first. And I think, you know, Christianity in America has, we have to break through this, this dysfunction that we've created, this toxic environment that the pastors, the staff, the elders, the leaders are, are sinless. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I, and, and we've had people leave our church cause they say I'm too honest about my own sin. I struggle yep. with all the same things that pretty much every guy that loves Jesus would. Um, the difference is even though being tempted, sometimes I fall and sometimes I hold that line. I mean, I'm Paul in what Romans seven. Yeah, I things, do. Things I want to do, I, I don't do. do. And the things I do <laughs> don't want to do, I do. It's the do do passage. But yeah. I feel like what we've created a culture is we don't have permission to show up and say, oh, man, I messed up. Therefore, we're, we're always trying to project ideal religious self. Right. So I told the story at the first service. I should have said it at the second. Trish and I are part owners of Station One Brewing Company. And again, some people left because of that. But I'll bust glasses and people will go, are you one of the owners? I said, yeah. They go, gosh, do you do this full time? I say, no, I actually have a real job. Yeah. And they'll go, what do you do? I go, well, I'll let you guess. Why don't you think? <laughs> and so they're going down the list, and all of a sudden I'll say, no, you're wrong. Go, what do you do? I go, I'm a pastor at Green Bay Community Church. Where's your church I want to go? Yep. Which I am blown away at that. Almost 100% of the people go, I want to go to your church, or I would go to your church. Yeah. Why? Because I'm human and normal. And not that we're sinning right there, but... I understand them. I get them. And I just don't think we do that enough as Christians to each other. And I think in that situation where, like, the last thing I want to do as somebody who's a pastor, especially being involved in youth, is to not have people that are willing to come around me and walk with me and hold me accountable. And yeah, Because yeah. Then, I, then I isolate myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and then the other thing, too, is, like, when I have moments where I mess up, being able to say, just own it and be like, hey, I'm human like you. Like, I totally messed up. Yeah. But... When you're when we're stepping into those moments with each other, it's like, what's the relationship? And yeah. I may, if I see somebody who's acting out in a way that I think is harmful, I may go to somebody who's closer to them and say, "Hey, step into their lives. You have a relationship with them. Yeah. Why don't you step into their lives? And maybe it's not trust is a big thing. Yep. And I think too often we operate very self righteously mm -hmm. and just finger pointing. So I do think you have to earn trust when someone's not a believer. I, and I love in Matthew eighteen. Yeah. When someone's sinned against you, you take somebody, you take more people and all that. And what does it say at the end? Treat him like a tax collector. And then I go, well, how did Jesus teach? Lovingly. He loved tax collectors. <laughs> and so then it's like, I can have a lot of non-believing friends and they can live crazy immoral. Now, what I love is like, gosh, you know, there's something more for you. I, mm -hmm. I kind of bait those questions. It's a Christian that I operate differently with. Man, this is not how God designed you. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I thought the in the Q&A was good too, but he's going to be back next week. Um, thank you for coming in. This is yeah, great. I love uh, it. Uh, I love talking about this. And like I said, he's he's a fantastic resource yeah, to have in to, to come in and talk. And your guys' relationship is great. And his podcast, I tell everybody, Undeceptions, 100% to, to get into for sure. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of them uh, podcasting. Man, I'm just trying to get more time to do that. But he's, <laughs> but he's an easy listen to me to, for just for all the information that he has. So that was great. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, keep tuning in. Like I said, we're going to be back next week to talk the second week of uh, John Dixon, and uh, we'll have a different guest in. And so if you have any questions or anything you want to you know, know, or if you didn't get a question to ask John, maybe send it to us and we'll get it to him. And 
see if we can uh, unveil some of those next week. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on What I Heard on Sunday. All right, I have a couple options. If John.